morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, my name is Pastor Jerry Wells, and I'm the lead pastor at uh, Western Hills Church, a church that uh, our campus is on the south side of Oklahoma City, and a church that is, uh, is just driven to develop disciples through relationship. And so that's what we're about, is making disciples of Jesus through relationship. And I'm so grateful that you chose to, to join us this, uh, this morning in this particular live stream for this particular message. I just want to pray to begin, if you would let me do that. Heavenly Father, I just pray for those who are watching this today. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would work in their hearts and lives through this message from your word. I pray, God, that you would uh, minister to those who need to hear this message in such a way that their lives would be changed radically by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us during this difficult time. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a, such a difficult time for, for everyone. Uh, and I can say everyone and believe everyone when I say it. Uh, at this particular season of our life. Everyone is suffering at one degree or another from what's happening in our world due to the COVID-19 virus. My heart especially goes out to those who are ill and or have ill family members. Uh, my heart goes out to you as you're dealing with this in this situation. And there's such limited contact that you can have with your loved ones during this time. My heart also goes out to those folks that are single and uh, don't have uh, anyone living with them and you're being completely isolated uh, from family, from friends, not able to have any physical contact during this time. My heart goes out to you as well. And uh, I look forward to a time when this season of our life and of our world is, is over. This morning I want to begin a, a new sermon series called The Finale. To introduce this new sermon series, I, I want you to understand some things that are important for you to understand before we unpack all of the uh, truths that we want to unpack about this particular series. I want you to understand this morning that the Bible is a book of prophecies. Now prophecies are stories about the future that are in the Bible. And prophecies are stories about the future that God revealed to particular people who recorded the stories and then we have them in the Bible. There are hundreds of these prophetic stories in the Bible about the future. I believe that the Bible is the Word of God because most of these prophecies have been fulfilled. Any scientist would tell you that the odds of that happening by chance are just absolutely astronomical. Many of the prophecies are about God's plan to save the world from sin. These prophecies in the Bible are called messianic, messianic prophecy. The word Messiah means Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah that's prophesied in, about in the scripture. I believe Jesus is the Messiah because he fulfilled 
the Messianic prophecies. The odds of one man fulfilling so many prophecies about the Messiah by chance are, once again, they are astronomical. The prophets of the Bible said some things that were very specific about the Messiah. They, for example, and I'm just going to list these for you, and there's many, many more that we could cover. I'm not even going to give you the scripture and the reference at this point in time, but uh, I would encourage you to dig into the Bible and uh, look at these scriptures and their references, find them. The prophets of the Bible said this about the Messiah. Daniel, the prophet Daniel said when he would be born. The prophet Micah said he would be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Isaiah said that he would be born of a virgin. Jacob said he would be from the tribe of Judah. Jeremiah said he would be a descendant of David. Isaiah said he, his coming would be preceded by a messenger that would announce his coming. Isaiah said he would perform all kinds of miracles, signs and wonders that would attest to the fact that he was the Messiah that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Zechariah said he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. David said he would be betrayed by a friend. Zechariah said he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah said he would be spat upon, beaten, and pierced. Isaiah also said that his death would establish peace between the human race and God. In other words, his death would atone for the sins of the world and save mankind from the judgment of God for our sins. David said that the Messiah would rise from the dead. David said he would ascend into heaven. Isaiah said God's salvation would re reach the ends of the earth. This message of salvation through this Messiah would actually reach the ends of the earth. Well, Jesus came and Jesus fulfilled all of these messianic prophecies. And I believe that Jesus is the Messiah because he fulfilled all of these messianic prophecies that occurred uh, hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. Now Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, and Habakkuk said that the Messiah would come and he would rule the world and he would bring peace to the world. Jesus had 12 disciples. His disciples were Jews and they were very familiar with all of the messianic prophecies that I just shared with you plus others that are in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. And these disciples of Jesus, they followed him because they believed that he was the promised Messiah. And they expected Jesus to not only fulfill the prophecies that he had already fulfilled that I mentioned to you, but they also expected Jesus to fulfill the prophecies from Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, and Habakkuk that he would rule the world and bring peace to the world. Well, Jesus himself was a prophet. And Jesus, during the course of his life, he gave a number of prophecies. Jesus said he would be arrested. He said he would be executed. He said he would be dead for three days. And then he said he would rise from the dead. Jesus said he would ascend into heaven. 
Jesus said his church would survive and thrive throughout mankind's history. Jesus said his story would reach the whole earth, the story of salvation through him. Jesus said he would return and rule the world and he would bring peace to the world. We often hear from TV producers who have produced a series, a TV series, we're encouraged with uh, a lot of excitement that we should watch the season finale. We hear that phrase continuously from these producers and directors as that TV series comes to a close. The finale is a conclusion of a series of stories. Well, let me ask you, what is the finale of the Bible? The finale in the Bible is a series of messianic prophecies about the return of Jesus and what happens in the world. The finale includes these stories. It includes the signs that precede the return of Jesus. The finale includes the return of Jesus. It includes the final judgment of mankind by Jesus, and it includes the creation of a new heaven and a new earth for Jesus and his people. According to the finale in the Bible, there will be a Generation Z on the earth. Generation Z, I'm using that terminology of our alphabet, Generation Z is the last generation of people on the earth when Jesus returns. I want to read to you this morning what Jesus said about his return and Generation Z. So bear with me as I read the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 in verses 1 through 31. Here's what the scripture says. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. <laughs> but he responded, do you see all of these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. By the way, that happened in 70 A.D. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all of this happen? And they weren't just talking about the destruction of the temple. They were talking about his return. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them this, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. In other words, there will be many religions led by many religious people that will claim that they're the Savior. They will deceive many people to follow them. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. And you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. He says that again. He repeats himself. 
Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he's talking about enduring in your faith in Jesus. He's not talking about just staying alive. He's talking about enduring in your faith in Jesus will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it would be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person would survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go out and look, or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be a deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see that the Son of Man, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. And then Jesus said, now learn this lesson from a fig tree. Fig tree produces its fruit at a certain season of the year. When its branches bud and its leaves began to sprout, you know that the summer is near. In the same way, when you see all of these things, you can know that his return is very near. It is right at the door. I want to just summarize with you for a few minutes what Jesus said about the events that would be signs to Generation Z, the last generation on the earth. First of all, he said that there will be many false prophets and false messiahs. He said that in verse 4 and 5 and verse 11. Currently, in our world, there are 4,200 religions on the earth that we know about. Christianity is the largest of those 4,200 religions. And then Jesus said, the earth will groan from threats of war, wars, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. He said that in verses 6 through 8. There's a, 
a map that shows a list of ongoing conflicts in the world. These are armed conflicts as of 2019. In this map, you have in the dark purple, these are major wars where 10,000 or more battle-related deaths uh, have occurred or occurred in 2019. And then you have in red, you have wars that are 1,000 to 10,000 battle-related deaths in the current past year. And then you have in the yellow, less intense conflicts, 100 to 999 battle-related deaths uh, in the current or past year. There's no question that we live in a time where there are wars and rumors of wars. Today, the world stands on the brink of unprecedented famines. About 30 million people are experiencing currently alarming hunger, severe levels of food insecurity, and malnutrition in northeastern Nigeria, South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. 10 million of them are facing emergency and famine conditions. When it comes to pestilence, need I say more? In 2019, when it comes to earthquakes, there was a total of 1,637 earthquakes with magnitude of five or more were recorded in the world worldwide. Certainly, we are experiencing the sign that Jesus talked about in verses 6 and 8. And then he said, there will be great hatred of the Jews and of Christians. The current political divide in our country is not just a political divide. It's a divide over moral values. At its roots, it is a moral divide caused by the intense hatred of the world for the moral values of Jews and of Christians. As Jews and Christians, we stand for life. We value the life of every person, especially the life of the unborn. We stand for marriage of one man to one woman. We stand for sexual abstinence before marriage. We stand for religious freedom. We stand for a free market economic system, etc. The hatred for Jews and Christians is very evident in the media and in social media. It is very evident in the attacks on our current president and those who would vote for him. Worldwide, in 2019, 11 Christians were killed every day in various countries for following Jesus. There are 50 countries that are ranked as countries to watch that persecute and kill Christians. It is one of the biggest human rights issues of this era, era and the hostility is growing in our country and throughout the world. Jesus said lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness will abound. I know in my lifetime, I've never seen the level of lawlessness in our world that I see today. I've never seen the level of lawlessness in our, in our country as I see today. In uh, 2 Timothy 3 and 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul elaborated on that lawlessness. And here's what he said to Timothy. He said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be narcissists. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. 
boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, you could put entitled by unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, 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 without self-control, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Paul said, in the last days, perilous times will come, and it will be caused by the moral lawlessness of people upon the earth. And then Jesus said the gospel would be preached to the whole world. We've never in world in our history since the time that Jesus came and died for the sins of the world, we've never been at a point in our history, in church history, where we could say we're very close to the place where the gospel is available to every single person in the world. And then he said a one world ruler would arise that will give the world a promise of security. Now, Paul elaborated on this, and it's very important for us in the church to recognize this as one of the key signs if we are Generation Z. In 2 Thessalonians 2, in verses 1 through 12, there were those in the church that had been told by false prophets that Jesus had already returned the second time. And the Apostle Paul was dispelling that false uh, teaching, and he said this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Paul is just looking back on what Jesus said. And he's saying what Jesus said. And the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition is what Paul calls him. The apostle John calls him the Antichrist. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? And now you know what's restraining that son of perdition, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is finally taken out of the way. And that one who is restraining is the Holy Spirit of God. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie 
that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The, uh, the Apostle John also wrote uh, a short discourse about this son of perdition or the Antichrist using a revelation that he had received from the Father. And, and you want to read about that, you can read about it in Revelation chapter 13 in verses 1 through 10. But both Paul and John and Jesus said that a one world ruler would arise that would give the world a promise of security, and the world would take him up upon that promise. And then number seven, what Jesus said in Matthew 24 in verses 21 and 22 is that there will, before he comes, there will be a great tribulation on the earth like the world has, has never seen. And once again, the revelation to John, called the book of Revelation, goes into incredible detail with this amazing imagery that was given to John about the great tribulation and what it was going to be like. Now, why did Jesus give this discourse to his disciples in Matthew 24? You know, <clears throat> he didn't have to give them this discourse. They could have asked him about it. There were things that they asked Jesus about, and he didn't answer them directly. But he did answer them directly when they asked him about his return and when would all of these things happen that preceded his return. So why did Jesus reveal these signs to his disciples through prophecy? Well, we need to understand that the Scripture talks about how God first reveals to prophets What's going to happen on the earth before it happens so that his people will be prepared for those circumstances when they begin to occur? An example of that is Noah. Noah heard from God about what was going to happen, and God told Noah what was going to happen on the earth so he would have faith and he would be prepared for what was going to happen to him and his family. Uh, Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. He told his disciples before his arrest, before his execution, before his resurrection, he told them exactly what was going to happen so that his disciples would be prepared, so that they could have faith uh, when these circumstances began to unfold. Well, Jesus wants his church to know what is going to happen in Generation Z so that it can have faith and be prepared if it is the church in Generation Z. So let me ask you, do you think that we are Generation Z? Based upon the prophecies that I just listed for you, do you believe that we are Generation Z? Z. Well, as you look at those signs in Matthew 24, we are experiencing many of those signs that I listed for you. But Paul was very clear. Paul said, we will know for sure that the Lord is near when sign number six that I shared with you occurs. I want to read it to you again. Here's what Paul said. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together in him, we ask you 
not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had already come. Let no one deceive you by that means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God for the man of sin to rise to power on the earth what do you think needs to happen on the earth well, there'd have to be an incredible crisis for the nations of the world, the governments of the world, to bow their knee to the man of sin, the son of perdition, and let him rule over their nation. There will have to be a crisis. There will have to be a circumstance that would cause all the nations of the world to submit to him. We are currently in the first worldwide crisis that I've ever experienced in my lifetime. And what I would say is that if the man of sin is revealed, we will know we are the church in Generation Z, and the Lord's return is imminent. You know, there are those in the church that believe that the church will be removed from the earth before all of these signs occur. There are many who believe, and this is a uh, a belief that was not present in the early church, but it's a, it's a belief that's become popular in the last hundred years, that before all of these things take place in Generation Z, that the church is just going to be removed from the earth, that we're going to be raptured. It's like there's going to be a, a pre-coming of Jesus before his final coming of Jesus, and so the church won't have to experience all of the things that are are listed as the signs of the return of Jesus. There are those in the church that believe that the church will be removed from the earth three and a half years after the man of sin is revealed and before the great tribulations that have never been experienced by mankind will begin to be experienced by mankind. And then there are those in the church that believe that the church will not be removed from the earth until Jesus returns and sets up his eternal kingdom. You know, when people ask me what I think, I tell them, I hope that the church will be removed. I mean, who wants to go through these incredible signs and all of the tribulation that's spelled out in detail in the book of Revelation? I don't want to go through what we're going through right now. I would love for it to be resolved today. I wish right now the COVID-19 virus would be just all of a sudden it would die throughout the world and the world could go back to normal. Sure, that's what I would hope would happen. But you know what? I think we would be wise to have faith and prepare ourselves just in case the church is not removed. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to share with you a sense of urgency that I have that you need to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. You need to get prepared for his coming. You need to get prepared for what's going to happen in the future. 
in the world. Well, how do you personally prepare for these events that Jesus talked about in his word? Well, Jesus was very clear about how we obtain eternal salvation by believing in him. We, we first repent of our sins. We acknowledge that we're one of the lawless ones that has rebelled against the knowledge of God and we have gone our own way. We have engaged in activities that are godless activities that are against the holiness of God. And so before anyone can be saved, they must first repent of their sins and their sinful condition before God. Because God is the only one who can save us from our sinful condition. He is the only one who can miraculously change our heart so that we are not in that sinful condition. And so that's the first thing that has to happen to you. If you want to get prepared for the coming of Jesus, you need to acknowledge your godless condition before God. And you need to say, Lord, I repent. I don't want to be this way. I want to change. But then Jesus said that we must trust in him for the forgiveness of sins in order to be saved. In other words, it's not enough to repent of our sins. That's, that's, <laughs> that isn't critical. That's essential that you repent of your sins to be saved. But it's also critical, Jesus said, that you put your faith and trust in what he did for you to save you from the judgment that you deserve. And what Jesus did for you is that he died upon a cross for your sin. Jesus was the God-man. He lived a perfect life without sin so that when he died, his death could atone for your, and your sins and my sins. And so in order to be saved... Not only do you have to repent of your godless state, your godless condition, your depraved condition, you have to receive Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins based upon what Jesus did on the cross for you. The Bible says specifically that you've got to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You've got to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That is a declaration where you're changing who is ruling your life. You're declaring that Jesus is Lord right now of heaven and earth. Right now. And you're declaring that you are submitting your life to the lordship of Jesus so that he can save you. Save you from the judgment you deserve because of your sins. Jesus used all kinds of analogies to show what faith is in him. For example, he said to people, he said, unless you become as a little child, you cannot you can't receive the kingdom of God. You can't receive my kingdom, Jesus said. You know, a little child, I have, I have two new granddaughters that I'm so proud of. And I have another one on the way that we don't know if it's a grandson or a granddaughter. And I'm so excited for uh, my children as <laughs> having these children and, 
and uh, love them to death, these, these grandchildren. But you know what? That little child, that little infant, is totally dependent upon their mother for life. Totally dependent. I mean, if their mother was not there to care for them, that little child would perish. They can do absolutely nothing for themselves to save themselves. And I want you to understand, Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, unless you acknowledge that you can do nothing to save yourself, and you totally acknowledge that you're dependent upon Jesus to save you, it's the only way, Jesus said, that you can be saved. So I want to encourage you today, prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acknowledge that you are a sinner and repent of your sinful state, of your sinful condition. You know it. You know it. Repent of it before God and then trust in Jesus to save you from sin. For those that are already in Jesus that have received him as Lord, this is an incredible test. And when this happens that Jesus talked about, it will be a more even more incredible test for those who have declared their faith in Jesus. Right now, I believe that the Lord is using this COVID-19 virus and our suffering to expose those things that we have depended upon rather than depending upon Jesus. You see, right now, many in the church are depending upon the government to save them. Just like many people in the world are depending upon the government to save them. Many are depending upon technology to save them. Many are depending upon modern medicine to save them. Many are depending upon their family and friends to save them. Well, God uses government and technology and modern medicine, and he uses family and friends in our life. But I want you to know, God does not want us to place our dependency chiefly upon them. He wants us to depend upon him and find our security in Jesus. You see, Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. Right now, the only thing that holds everything together is his sovereign power. Jesus allows all kinds of things to happen on the earth that he does not approve of. And that's been true since he ascended into heaven. But make no mistake about it, Jesus is right now Lord of heaven and earth. He said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. It can't be any clearer. He said he is the authority. He is the ruler. And right now we don't see it with our physical eyes. But one day we will. And when that one day comes, Jesus will no longer allow things that he does not approve of. And what a day that will be. Right now, Jesus is the blessed controller of all things. Nations rise and nations fall based upon his word, not upon the word of their rulers, but upon his word. Jesus right now is determining the future of every person. 
In other words, your life is in the hands of Jesus because he has all authority right now. He is Lord and you are not Lord. He is Lord and you are not Lord. In order to be prepared for the coming of Jesus, you need to find your security completely of him, completely in him. And we in the church need to find our security completely in him. You know what's going to happen to those that have professed Jesus and been baptized or walked down an aisle and, and have verbally said that they were following Jesus? You know what's going to happen to those people that don't find their security in Jesus when all of these signs begin to happen that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24? They're going to be swept away. They're going to be swept away. They're going to be afraid. They're going to be terrified because their security is not in Jesus, even though they have professed that Jesus is their Savior. Right now, all of us that name the name of Jesus during this current situation we're in, we need to find our security in Jesus alone, in Christ alone. If not, we will fall away even through this situation. You know, one of the things that happens uh, to find your security in Jesus, you got to press into Jesus, church. I mean, you got to press into him. You've got to declare whatever your need is, that Jesus is who you're depending on for whatever that need is. If you need healing, you need to declare, Jesus, you're my healer, not these doctors. Doctors are great. They minister unto us in various ways. But at the end of the day, the doctor can heal nobody. Only Jesus can heal us. And you need to declare, if you're sick, Jesus, you're my healer. If you're suffering from financial need, you don't need to look to the government for your financial need. The Lord may use the government. If you're alone right now and you're feeling loneliness, you know, I love my family. I love my friends. They minister to my need for companionship and relationship in my life. But you know what you need? You never forsake me. You're always there for me when no one else is. Jesus, you're sufficient. You're enough for your future. Will you do that, church? But you know something else that happens? The more you press into Jesus, the freer you are to minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The more you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, the more you want to connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's the truth. When you press into Jesus for your security, the more you want others to know about Jesus. You have a greater sense of urgency to share Jesus with others the more you press into Jesus and depend upon him to meet your needs. You want them to I want Jesus to change their life in the same way that Jesus has changed my life. Let me ask you, church, do you have that sense of urgency? Do you believe Jesus is going to return? Do you believe that Jesus is going to come back? In Jesus' name, amen candle right now we want to lead you in a time of worship right now from where you are in your home what a powerful message
from God's word about where we are today and what our future will be like. And I'm thinking about you who are watching right now, those of you who don't know for sure that you know Jesus, that you don't know for sure that you have a relationship with him. This verse that Pastor Jerry just shared with us stood out to me, talking about the coming of the lawless one and that his activity will be by Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And then the scripture says it will be accompanied by all wickedness and deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and they refused to be saved. Therefore, God sent them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may, not be, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Hey, friends that are listening right now, if you don't know for sure that you know Jesus, this is a warning that there will come a time when such a delusion will exist that will be beyond the opportunity to respond. There's a sense of urgency right now to respond to Jesus and to respond to the gospel. And as Pastor Scott begins to play and we worship right here, I wanna encourage you right now in this moment if you don't know Jesus, to respond to Jesus. He is with us. He is with you right now. We respond to the truth. Will you in your heart right now simply declare Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, change me. Will you declare that in your heart to him? Are you declaring it right now? If you are, the scripture is clear. If you will believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Friends, God loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. He's made a way for us to escape the judgment that we rightly deserve because of our sin. He's taken all of our judgment and punishment and he's placed it on Jesus. I want to invite you right now, if you're listening to this and if, you're, if you've made that declaration, if you've prayed those prayers, if you've said, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I will follow you. If that's your heart right now and you're praying that with us right now, then let the redeemed of the Lord say it. Post right now in the comments on this Facebook live stream, I'm praying that prayer, Jesus, save me. Jesus, you are my Savior. And as you post that right there, our church family is going to rejoice with you on that. 
And we're going to follow up with you and help you connect to your next steps in following Jesus, being connected with his church, and following him in baptism. We're so grateful. I wonder if you just join me right now in prayer. Let me pray for us as we begin this time, and then I'm going to lead you in a few directed prayers. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are not unaware that you have given us the signs of the times, that you have showed us what you are doing so that we can be prepared and so that we can lead others to be prepared as it was in the days of Noah. So it is at the coming of the Son of Man. Lord, thank you for giving us the warning so that we can be ready. God, help us right now as your church to be stirred up to help other people be ready that they might know the truth of the gospel, that they might follow you as your disciples and lead others to follow you, Jesus. Lord, we need a movement of your spirit. God, we pray that as in times past, when you've poured out your spirit on specific groups of people in specific places, Lord, that you would do it again with us right here and that the gospel and revival would spread to all the nations before your return, that many, many more would be saved. And God, would you let it begin with us? As we declare our stories this week online, would you be, let it begin with us? Lord, as we proclaim your goodness in relationships with other people, would you let it begin in us? And God, most importantly, as we seek you on our faces and delight in your presence, trusting you, would you let it begin with us? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, we are the light of the world. When the world grows darker, the light shines brighter. Let's pray right now and ask God to use our church family as a light in this world that will lead others to him. Would you join me and pray that prayer right now from where you are, out loud or in your heart, lift up your prayers to the Lord. God, use our church as a light in this world. specifically there are medical professionals who are tirelessly working they're putting themselves in harm way to care for the sick what a difficult job right now as loved ones can't go and be with those people who are in hospitals and Nathan was sharing this morning about Nathan Redmond about his aunt Bonnie and what she's going through right now and hospice care and just the difficulty of family gathering around those who are ill. Let's pray for those who are our medical workers. Let's pray for their health, their safety, and their blessing. And let's also pray for those who have loved ones in the hospital and ask the Lord to be their comfort and their strength. 
And now to conclude this time of prayer, I ask you to join me right now in praying for revival, that you would lift your voice to the Lord, that boldly you would ask God to send revival to our world, to our city, to our communities, to our families, that he would send revival and that it would begin with us. Would you ask the Lord for that right now? we trust you and we will not fear because you are our refuge and our strength and you are very present in our troubles thank you Jesus for your word for the confidence it gives us for the hope for the future that we have in you Lord we lift up our prayers as praise offerings to you we lift them up in worship to you Lord you are worthy, Jesus. You are holy, God. There is no one like you. Thank you, God, for who you are, for working in our lives, for changing us and making us a new creation, for making us a light. Lord, send us out. We are your chosen ones. Use us to advance your kingdom until you return or call us home. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, we hope you'll stay with us for just a moment longer as we share a few brief announcements with you. And these are very important right now, especially under these circumstances. We wanna invite you to stay connected with us. There is a right now announcement page that we wanna direct you to even in this moment um, as you're listening to this live stream that you would go and visit that page. It's at westernhillschurch.com forward slash right now, or you can click on the button that says right now on that web page. And if you'll go there, all of the important information on how you can connect and be involved right now is on that page. So if you're a guest with us this morning, please go there right now and connect with us. We'd love to hear from you personally. And then uh, our live streams are going on. This Sunday morning live stream happens every week at 1030. We'll, we hope you will join us next week on Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and as we continue this series called The Finale, that you'll invite your friends and family online to join us. And uh, we hope that you'll even dress up for Easter, maybe share some photos with us. We miss seeing you guys, yeah. and we would like to see you online next week. So make some preparations for that, celebrate that, and make ne next Sunday special as you join in the live stream and invite others to join in with us. And uh, we have a midweek live stream. It'll be this Wednesday night uh, at 5.30. There's a live stream for the kids. At 6 o'clock, there's a live stream for students. And at 6.30, there's a live stream for the adults called Midweek. And we invite you to join us this Wednesday night for that live stream. And uh, then the other live stream is right after this service ends. There will be a live stream for the Bible Zone kids. So this live stream video will end 
a new one will start for the kids. So make sure you go back to our page, find that video and gather up the kids and share it with your friends. And let's enjoy some time with those little ones as they learn a lesson on their level. The last way we want to invite you to stay connected, and this is the most important way, is that you would join a small group. And our small groups are meeting online right now. You can join them through video calls. In fact, we just started a small group leader training this morning with the goal of launching more groups that will be meeting online. We would love for you to connect with some of these small groups. And the easiest way to do that is on the Right Now announcement page. You can send me an email. I am the small group and discipleship pastor at our church. I would love to help you get connected to a group of believers that will share life with you during this time. Even though we can't be together in person, we can still connect. It's not just social distancing. That's, that's one word, and I understand that term that's being used, but really it's physical distancing. We don't have to truly social distance in this time if we will connect with one another and be intentional about it. So I want to encourage you, connect with one of our small groups and meet online. That's a great point. We also want you to stay engaged. So there's three quick ways. First off, go to our Right Now announcement page, and up at the top, there's a link for uh, a worship playlist. And if you haven't already listened to that worship playlist and worshiped along with those songs, I encourage you to do that. And our our pastor, uh, Scott Sanders, our worship pastor, has put those together. So go check those out, click on that playlist, and worship with us. There's a men's breakfast uh, that happened this last Saturday, and if you missed it, we want you to still be able to watch it. And so we put it on our Facebook page, and there's a link there on our Right Now announcement page, or if you just scroll through our our news feed on our Western Hills Church Facebook page, you can watch that men's breakfast recording. And lastly, there's a new thing for students, and it's called Foundations. And our student pastor, Britt Clay, is leading that up on Sunday nights at 6 p.m., And it's covering the essentials for a lifelong follower of Christ. So we want to encourage all students to join in on that. There's information on our Right Now announcement page that you can RSVP for that or contact Britt Clay directly. And parents, get your students involved in that because that's going to be a great time. We want to also invite you to stay invested. Now, the the admonishment mandate of Scripture for us as believers is that we would bring the first fruits of our increase to the Lord. We understand right now that some of you, your increase has gone away. Some of you, your increase has lessened. And what we want to do is just invite you to bring in your tithes and offerings to the church as the Lord leads you. That you would pray, that you would be a cheerful giver, and that as the Lord leads you to give, that you would give cheerfully and generously. Some of us are in a position to give more generously right now. We admonish you do that. Some of us can't give as generously as we once did. Seek the Lord on what he would have you give and trust him with your giving. You know, we're all going through difficult times and we need to do a state of the church right now for the, for the last three or four weeks since we've been uh, doing the live streams. Of course, the giving in our church has, has decreased and declined. And right now, our year-to-date status is that we're $9,635 behind our year-to-date need for our budget. And so we just want you to have that information as you pray and ask the Lord how he would encourage you to give. In addition to your regular tithes and offering and giving, there is also a COVID-19 relief fund that has been set up. And every dollar given to that fund is going to go to help families as they experience needs due to loss of income because of COVID-19. You can find the giving information on our webpage, on the homepage, or on the Right Now announcement page. And on the giving page, on the Right Now announcement page, you can also find a short video that will help you walk through how you can give online if you need a little training for that. 
So with all these details going on, there are some key ways that you can stay informed throughout the week. And we try to uh, limit those to only necessary things, but we want to encourage you to make sure that you are staying informed. So how do you do that? First off, you can join our text group uh, online. So there's a link online. I can't remember what that is. It's at at, you're going to text at WHCOKC. You're going to put that in like where you would normally send the message. Yeah. You'll put that message at WHCOKC, and you will text that to 81010. And that should be right below me so that if you forget. Also, you can join our email list, and we use that to send out emails if you prefer receiving notifications and details that way. We also post quite a few of the things that we communicate on our Facebook page, so you can scroll through there and turn on notifications so you get those updates. Or, if you would like, you can call our church office at 405-634-1454, and Janie Martin is answering those calls and helping field those calls. So if you just want to talk to Janie and get the information you need, she is happy to uh, talk to you and would love to do that. Lastly, we are a church without walls. And so I love this image that you should see on the screen. It says the church isn't empty, it's deployed. We are a church without walls, and now we have the opportunity to all be ministers. And we've been preaching this, what, for 10 years now on making disciples, right? This is a great opportunity for us to exercise that and practice making disciples and living in real life relationships, because that's our mission to go and make disciples. Why is that our mission? Because Jesus commissioned us to do that. How do we do that? We live real life relationships. And if you aren't connected to a small group, I wanna encourage you to get connected and learn how to live real life relationships and how to make disciples. And if you are connected to a small group, stay connected every week and continue making disciples together. Well, we're so grateful that you joined us this morning. Uh, Pastor Jerry did give us an assignment in the message. And if you missed that assignment and you joined us late, as soon as this live stream ends, you'll be able to rewind and go listen to the rest of that message. But we will put that information on the Right Now page and send it out in an email this week. Let's flood social media with the stories of how Jesus has changed us this week. So make a note, all of our members, we're going to do this together. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Kids, get ready. Your live stream will start in just a few minutes with a countdown timer. Thanks for being with us this morning. We love you guys. We miss seeing you. Yeah, We're so sure. glad to be here right now with you. It's great to see you.